If you were here last week, or indeed worshipping in your own church, you would have been reminded that we were celebrating the festival of Pentecost, 50 days after Easter. And whilst another seven days has gone by since then, we're going to continue looking at Pentecost uh, this morning. We've called it Pentecost Part 2. Not very original. Um, But uh, there we go. Uh, Those who were here last week will remember that Darren encouraged us to think about who's in charge of what we do and say. Do you remember his dramatic visualisation of the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives? And we saw Drew playing the role of the Holy Spirit last week. Um, The Holy Spirit guiding our own individual spirits, which in turn shapes what we believe. And then our spirit influencing our souls, our emotions, our thinking, and our will. And finally, that soul shapes what our body does and how we behave. So I want to begin uh, our further look at Pentecost this morning by reminding us of what the Bible tells us of the events of that day. And I'm going to ask Jensen to come up and uh, read that to us, please. Thanks, Jensen. So I'm going to be reading Acts 2, verse 1 to 8, and then Acts chapter 2, verse 14 to 21. 21. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound, like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided divided tongues as fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And this, and this sound, the multitude, came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each us in his own language. Perithians and Medes, in, oh wait, sorry, yeah. Um, but Peter, standing eleven with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what uttered through the prophet Joel. And this, these days, God declares, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, 
and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show the wonders of heaven above and the signs of earth below, blood and fire, vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day the Lord comes, the great magnificent day, and shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you, Jensen. Very well read. Who has seen a hot air balloon in the sky? We've got some hands up down here. Quite a lot of hands up. Yeah, I guess most of us at some stage have seen a hot air balloon in the sky and what a wonderful sight it can be. Who's been for a flight on a hot air balloon? Ah, more than I was expecting. More than I was expecting. Becky, tell us about your flight on a hot air balloon. It was in Egypt and we flew over the Valley of the Kings. Wow. Sunshine. Well, the sunrise, yeah, with a friend. Anybody top that? No, no. (laughs) Nigel put a little finger up and then went, no. That's me in a hot air balloon 20 years ago before the grey hair arrived. Um, That's over Chompsford near Essex. It's not quite as exciting, is it? (laughs) It, It's close, but not quite as exciting. So, um, how do we power a hot air balloon? How do we get it up in the sky in the first place? Oak. Light a, f- yeah. Light a fire in a small pot. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are yet to experience going up hot in a hot air balloon, my advice would be to wear a hat. I didn't. Uh, It could be why the pilot doesn't have any hair on his head. It was quite warm. So um, just a a tip. Yeah, that's right. So they put uh, fire in and gradually the balloon inflates and off we go. After Jesus had ascended into heaven, the disciples continued to meet, to worship, and to pray together. But there was something missing. They were needing some power. And as we've heard in the reading that Jensen gave us, that's what they got. Imagine being in that room at the time. I suspect they were quite terrified by what was going on. This sudden violent wind and tongues of fire coming down onto their heads but quickly after that they found themselves outside and talking in many tongues to the crowds of people who were filling Jerusalem for the Pentecost celebration they weren't doing this through any power that they had but through what the Holy Spirit had brought to them this was the same power that Jesus had promised Uh, them at his ascension in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 we read but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That power changed their lives and it can change ours too. As we heard from what Darren said last week, it will guide the way that we live our lives day by day. And the Holy Spirit gives us strength to speak out and share what we believe with our friends and others who don't know Jesus. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that we've got to go out into the market square and speak in different languages. But God has given us all many different talents. And he calls on us to share those with the people that we meet so that they know of his love for them. Who are we going to share our faith with in the coming week and how? The hot air balloon, as we found out, is powered by fire coming from the burner. Through that power, it takes the skies. But one thing you find when you get up is you have no idea where you're going. I remember the pilot saying, I hope we find a, farmer, a friendly farmer and we can land in his field. Fortunately, we did, and there wasn't a raging bull or anything like that. But it is true that when you set off in a hot air balloon, you don't actually quite know where you're going to end up. Uh, it strikes me that our Christian uh, journey can be something like that. We don't know where God is going to lead us. Jan and I have a good friend who was born in Glasgow and her family worshipped, and so did she, in the Presbyterian Church. For the last 15 years, Janice has been a vicar in North Wales delivering bilingual services in English and Welsh. That is where God has led Janice. I can't imagine that in her days growing up in Glasgow, she saw that as where she was going to be placed. She talks about her journey of faith as being an exciting adventure. So uh, who's been on an exciting adventure? And you can't have hot air balloons in Egypt a second time. Verity. Uh, I had a gap year before I trained to do my current job and I had a backpack like that and I went around the world. Wow. And it was fun. Ron? Yeah? As you have a backpack on your back, I climbed Cardaridris on Tuesday. Cardaridris? Ah. Cardaridris, for, for those who don't know, is a wonderful mountain in North Wales. I had the privilege to stand on the banks of the River Zambezi and watch Victoria Falls in full flow and get soaked by the water. <laughs> Great, Sue. Thank you. Well, the image on the screen shows what's probably been my most exciting adventure so far. Um, I'm the guy on the right in the red jacket. Um, we were doing the Inca Trek uh, in Peru. Um, and it's interesting looking at that, what is now a 20-year-old photograph, uh, 
I know I don't look that old, but it was 20 years ago. Because um, I, I was puzzling why we were all leaning like this. And I can't remember there was a strong wind. But I can remember that this is taken about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And that morning, we climbed about 6,000 feet from our overnight campsite. Uh, and this is approaching 14,000 feet altitude. So there was a fair amount of breathlessness going on. And maybe we were just leaning on our walking poles, trying to get enough energy, enough breath, to get over what is the highest point of the Inca Trek, uh, that pass at the top, which encouragingly is called Dead Woman's Pass. Um, we never found out why, uh, and we never met her either, so I don't know. I... Anyway, um, Verity talked about having a rucksack like mine. This is the rucksack that I wore, although it's not the rucksack that I'm wearing in the picture, and I won't go into the detail of that now, but if you're really curious, I'll tell you why afterwards. Now, unlike my hot air balloon trip, this time I knew exactly where I was going. To the ruined city of Machu Picchu, the Inca city. I knew where I was going, and also I knew why I was doing the walk. Uh, we were raising, it was one of these charity-sponsored walks, and I was raising funds for the Children's Society. This trip had a clear purpose. And that's the second P that the Holy Spirit brings at Pentecost. After power, we have purpose. As we've heard in our reading today, once the Holy Spirit came to the disciples, they were able to fulfill the purpose that Jesus had given them. And we can read about that in Matthew 28. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Remember that after Jesus' death, the disciples had been confused, disheartened, and afraid. But at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's purpose for their lives was made clear, to share their faith with others. And as we've seen, they had the power to do it now. What is the Holy Spirit calling you and me to do this week and what help can the Holy Spirit give us on that journey? Jan's now kind of, Jan is now going to come up and uh, unpack my rucksack to see what clues we can find, if I can get it off. I'll pass you the mic, and then hopefully. Perhaps uh, the children might like to come and help me unpack this uh, rucksack. Now, this is just a few things that uh, he would have taken. Um, on his trek, or we would take on a trek. Hasn't got his underpants or anything like that. Um, would, you like to, would you like to come, James, and pick one out? Just one at a time. We'll do one at a time. Yep. So, they're heavy. Can you pick the other one up as well? Right, okay. What have we got here? 
Why would he need walking boots? I don't know anyone. I'm asking the question of anyone. It's a long journey, yep. And what do walking boots do? Support our feet, yes. When you're walking on stony, rocky, perhaps boulders, even marshy or boggy ground, you need to have good, strong boots, good, strong shoes on. If you were walking in flip-flops, you'd give up very quickly because your feet would get tired and sore and blistered. But if you wear boots like that, that enables you to go, keep going, a long way. You know, you can get away with walking miles when you've got good, solid feet. So they protect our feet. And that could be one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. It protects us and enables us to go further, to keep going on that long journey. Okay, do you want to put them down there? Come around there. That's it, lad. A coat. Now, you need a good, strong protection coat to protect you from all weathers. Um, I think Glyn was walking in the rainforest at times, and he was walking in mountains. And when we go out walking in mountains, it can be sunshine in one minute, and the next minute it can be pouring with rain. So you need a good coat, and that protects us. And the Holy Spirit protects us from things outside that are trying to attack us, to stop us going where we want to go. Because if you didn't have the right clothing and you were on a really long walk, you'd probably turn around and go back because you just were getting absolutely drenched. So the right protection keeps us going and the Holy Spirit can help us and protect us and keep us going on our journey. Thank you. Do you want to put that down there? See what you can find. Oh, well, okay. Teddy bear. Okay. Can't go anywhere without a teddy bear, can you? Let's put that one down there. Do you want to try another one? <laughs> okay. Now there's something else that goes with it in here. Compass. A compass, yeah. Now, most of us have compasses on our phones these days, but this is a compass, folks, if you've never seen one. Um, and a map. What would we use a map and a compass for? Find where we're going, yeah. And we often use a map when we get lost. Um, and we think, oh, okay, let's get the map out, see where we should be going. Yes, a map and a compass, it tells us the way to go, especially if you get lost or you're not sure you can find where you are on the map and you can know I've got to go that way. And these are very, very important if you're walking a long way, if you're on a really long journey. Um, and if you can map read, of course, that helps. Okay, so the Holy Spirit gives us direction and it helps us to go where we are should be going. It sends us in the right direction, the right place. So thank you if you'd like to put them down there. One more? Yep. So what what would we need a Bible for? Well what do we get from a Bible? We get instruction, don't we? We get we get we can see where we're supposed to be going, what we're supposed to be doing. If we read Jesus' words, we can see how we should be living our lives. And the Holy Spirit 
helps us to interpret what is in the Bible, what is being told to us, so that we can go the way Jesus, God wants us to go. Thank you. Would you like to put that down there? So there's a few things that... um, I don't know whether you took a Bible, did Well, he had it on his phone. He had it on his phone. Um, So there are just a few things that represent some of the things that the Holy Spirit can help us with when we're on a journey. In John chapter 14, verse 26... We're told, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and make you remember all that I have told you. Peace is what I leave you, and it is my own peace that I give you. I do not give it as the world does. When Jesus appeared to his disciples, those many times after the resurrection, he would greet them, peace be with you. Jesus came in the world to bring peace. But what do we think of when we think of the word peace? On our recent holiday to Wales, we stayed in a lovely valley, as you can see, and often the only sound we heard were two cuckoos talking to each other across the valley. It was peaceful, a place to be calm, to feel relaxed away from it all. And many of us search for that peace in our lives when we find that the space we're in is full of hustle and bustle and we don't have the time to think and relax. We search for peace. For some people, peace means the absence of war, a conflict. The folk in Ukraine pray for peace, for the conflict and fear that engulfs their country to stop. But for many of us, we have turmoil in our lives, not war, but perhaps difficult relationships, problems in our work, problems in our community. So we too want peace lack of conflict in our lives. So where do we find that peace? Well, in Philippians 4, verse 6, we're told, don't worry about anything, but in all your prayers, ask God for what you need, always asking him with a thankful heart. And God's peace, which is far from human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in the union with Jesus Christ. And in Colossians 3, verse 15, the peace that Christ gives is to guide you in the decisions you make. For it is to this peace that God has called you together in the one body. So with the help of the Spirit, we can also find peace and be peacemakers, sharing the message of Christ and God's love. So this morning we've looked at three gifts the coming of the Holy Spirit gives us, power, purpose, and peace. Let us be guided by the Holy Spirit in the weeks ahead to use those three Ps for God's glory.